Today on Ag News Daily. Lots of stuff that can be talked about that are driving and moving the markets today, all the markets. And so there's really not a lack of information. The real question in, in our minds is what does an individual do with that information? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a good day in the grain markets. It's a good day on the Ag News Daily Podcast. I am Mike Pearson, joined for the first time in a full week by co-host Delaney Howell. Delaney, welcome back from Chile. Thank you. It feels very strange to be back, I'm not going to lie. Well, you're walking on the right side of the planet again. You were upside down there on the uh, southern hemisphere. Yeah. Big question, which direction did the toilets flush? Normal direction. What? Do you mean like the water? Or yeah, the yeah. Which, which oh, direction did the water I spin? I didn't look at it. Coriolis, of Coriolis effect means it spins the backwards when you're down there. I, I it don't goes know. counterclockwise. Didn't notice. Didn't pay attention to it. Why do we send you on these trips if you're not going to bring <laughs> back this kind of information, Delaney? Is that really the viable information that our listeners That's need to know about? That's the only reason I wanted you to go to Chile. Mm, well, it's not up to you. Well, you dropped the ball. So what were you doing down there and what'd you learn? I was down there with the United Soybean Export Council with our friend Darren Newsom. Oh, big D. And also uh, Thomson Reuters reporter Karen Braun. I'm sure some of you read her column. KB was down yeah. there. Big D, KB. You had uh, the DH, I guess. Okay. So we... Designated hitter and or Delaney Howe. There you go. We uh, Our panel specifically was talking about the commodity markets. No surprise. And we t- spent a lot of time talking about African swine fever. Mm. Karen's done a lot of good uh, reports and graphs on studying the effects of or potential effects of African swine fever. So good time overall, but really a lot of, obviously it was soy focused for the most part because it was put on by the United Soybean Export Council, but in conjunction this year with the U.S. Grains Council. So there was other conversations related to ethanol and grains in general, but some really interesting stuff, I think. So uh, we've got a bullish day in the soybean mm-hmm. market today. We've got double-digit gains in soybeans. What was the overall take of the attendees at this conference, Delaney, looking ahead through the end of 2019 into 2020? Would you say would you say they're bullish? Would you say they're excited about well, getting great deals bought on American soybeans? Yeah, so the conference itself isn't farmers. Right. It, it's not farmer-focused. It's, it's, it's buyers. So it's folks that are working for feed mills or feed yards or biodiesel or whatever mm-hmm. in Latin America. So they aren't excited by increasing U.S. prices because it means that soybeans are more expensive for them to purchase. Absolutely. Especially with a strong U.S. dollar. Yes. So that part is not so exciting. So we maybe. want them to be depressed. We want them... We want markets to be depressed because then they're... No, we want the buyers to be depressed because that means our markets are really going. Well, right. That too. Okay. All right. So they were upbeat. It was hard to tell. There was a little bit of a language barrier in some in some instances. No hablas español? Uh, un poquito. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Muy mal. But I will say on Friday on Market to Market, Darren Newsom and I got to spend three weeks together, essentially, on Market to Market, then in Chile, then again on Market to Market. And he said, you know, for the first time in quite some time, from a technical perspective only, he's bullish. All grain markets. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I believe corn, uh, ye Friday, and then again today, is over their 200-day moving average. Mm-hmm. Soybeans are, are making a good faith effort to get back up that high. And really, he said there's no reason for soybeans of all grains to be bullish, but technically they are. Well, and, uh, I mean, we're not getting this crop in the ground. Uh, if, but we if, still have a large carryout. Oh, yeah, And absolutely. that's he said, you know, that combined with African swine fever and increased production in South America, there really shouldn't be a reason for soybeans to rally 
yet they are. Here we are. Here All we right. are. Well, let's see. One of the reasons that, of course, soybeans have struggled to rally, Delaney, is the ongoing trade dispute with uh, China. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier today, China came out and accused the U.S. of having, quote, extravagant expectations for a trade deal. And they are also fairly upset because a U.S. Let me see if I can get this right here. A U.S. ship... Um, a U.S. warship sailed near a disputed area called the Scarborough mm. Shoal, which is claimed by China. I don't think we recognize that claim, but China said that, uh, or excuse me, this was one of our latest, quote, freedom of navigation operations, and it has upset the folks in Beijing, along with the U.S. launching really the full case on Huawei via the Chinese tech company that the U.S. is trying to have blacklisted. So, Disputes continue with China, but beans up double digits. Maybe we're done caring about the trade war, at least temporarily. At least temporarily, I'd say, because we're caring more and more about the weather. Right. Especially in the corn markets. We, of course, we're recording this a little before today's crop progress report, but I was reading an article today that's saying a lot of analysts and folks working with commentary and, and trend line yields and et cetera, et cetera, they're, they're assuming that USDA is going to report in today's crop progress that trend line yield is gone. We're out. Mm. It's not happening this year. As we continue to see uh, the crop further and further delayed, we're nearing insurance date. Prevent plant is definitely on the minds of a lot of folks. We're working right now to get some folks on because you don't necessarily have to take prevent plant and just leave your crop fallow, leave that right. field fallow. There are other options. So we're going to try and bring somebody on this week that can talk about that. But yeah, on so this was interesting. We said on the date, 83% of the corn crop is typically planted at this time. That's normal. Mm-hmm. So I've heard that healthy optimism has said maybe we'll be at 45% planted. I mean, that would be a 15% improvement in the last week. Yeah. That would be fairly phenomenal given the widespread rains that happened. But I don't think we're going to see that. Well, if we don't, if we don't see 45%, I would anticipate double-digit gains in corn. I mean, I I just would, given the fact that this thing is incredibly behind. Illinois was at 11% last week. Okay, you know I like to gamble, Delaney. Mm -hmm. What's Illinois going to be at this week? Okay, so they're at 11% last week. I wasn't here, but I looked at the forecast and mm-hmm. it was rain, rain, rain. Mm-hmm. So maybe they got in the field one day. I'm going to say they're I'm going to say they're optimistically at 20%. Okay, 20 was the number that's rattling around in my okay. head, but I'm going to take the over mm-hmm. and I'm going to say 26% because mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are running big equipment in Illinois. Okay. You know, they're they're they're, they're big docks. You get yeah. over there east of the Mississippi River. That is so true. I'm going to say 26. You're okay. saying 20. I'm saying 20. And let's say uh Whoever's within a percent buys the other lunch. Okay. All right, cool. I'm shaking on that. Cool, we're Verbal shaking agreement. on it. But uh, so it's kind of, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you aren't getting in the field, you're not getting planted, but the markets are rallying. So which is better at this point? Which would you take? What do you mean? Would you continue to take the wet weather and not being able to plant? Yes. If it means that the yes. ra- markets are rallying? Yes. All right. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And then I would, uh, I would be taking the opportunity to get some sales on mm-hmm. and I would be taking the opportunity and you know maybe at this point because I don't know what I'm going to get get in the field I'm going to be buying puts I'm going to be taking the chance to establish a floor regardless of whatever I can get into the field at some point when when this weather I mean eventually right it has to dry Hopefully. up Noah's not building an ark we're mm-hmm. not going to flood this sucker so eventually we'll be able to get something planted in the meantime higher prices are a gift they're coming down the pipe take them 
Don't make cash sales if you're not con if you're not convinced you're going to get into the field, but definitely call a broker, learn about futures and options, and risk manage or manage some risk, I should say, while we've got the opportunity. Sell corn when you can, not when you have to, Delaney. That's mm -hmm. uh, Tommy Grizzafi's advice, and I think he's dead on. And that's very fitting for today because it's Market Monday episode. It is Market Monday, and I've got other news from a different market, a market we don't talk about very often, U.S. potatoes. Oh. Exports are up. Um, frozen, dehydrated, and fresh potatoes all posted modest gains in exports for the first quarter of the, uh, for, excuse me, first three quarters of the July to June marketing year. They say there's ever-increasing international demand for potatoes and potato products. I know I continue to be a huge fan mm. of potatoes in nearly all forms, be it french fries or lefsa. <laughs> and um, there is some concerns that retaliatory tariffs that have been placed on potatoes could hurt us going forward, as well as, we mentioned earlier, that strong U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. The value of U.S. potatoes are climbing on the international stage as that dollar gets stronger. Which means less exports, theoretically. It, theoretically. Yeah. But if people love a product, they'll pay a premium. That's true. Everybody loves them big Idaho tubers. <laughs> Well, we've also seen folks paying a premium for fertilizer because of, you know, lack of transportation. But we saw the upper Mississippi River has fully reopened to barge traffic after flooding has closed it. So fertilizer can get back on. They've seen a lot of backlog of fertilizer to corn growers because of this. But we will hopefully continue to see it open. However, there is the one question of if we continue to have heavy rains, they might see it close again. Yes. Yep, I was on Twitter talking to uh, to Bob Birdsell. He's a grower yep. down there in northern Missouri. And he pointed out, if this rain continues, it's all going one of two places. It's going to the Missouri River Basin. It's going to the Mississippi River Basin. At the end of the day, they both meet in St. Louis, and we could see this thing shut again. Um, speaking of shutting things down, you mentioned earlier at your soybean conference, a lot of folks were talking African swine fever. Mm -hmm. Well, USDA is paying attention. APHIS, the uh, Animal Plant Health and Inspection Service, is working with the swine industry. They are going to be stepping up tests for ASF, uh, both domestically and on imports, anything coming into the country. They're going to be cracking down on and they're going to be trying to do more samples of feral hogs so we can see, because we know this thing travels in wild hogs. That's how it's spread across China. We'll see if we can maybe catch it at its source if it is going to be it's, uh, annoying. It's very fitting that Darren would be the one that would say this. Darren Newsom, of course, who's, you know, like no, nicknamed Dr. Doom, etc. But he did say on Friday's show, or maybe when we were just discussing African swine fever, one of his comments was, it is more than likely that ASF is going to come to the U.S. shores. Yes. Yes, eventually. I mean, it will. We know these. We know these diseases. They are global in scope. You can't stop something you can't see necessarily. Mm -hmm. And somebody's going to sneak in a piece of Chinese pork, and it's going to spread. It is. So yeah. that's a little scary to think about sometimes. Absolutely. Well, Delaney, I tell you what. I am all out of news. Do you have anything else we need to talk about before we jump into these green grain markets yes, for the day? That's true. Um, I think the only thing, and I know you mentioned. U.S. Uh, opening the markets to Japanese. Vice versa. Or, excuse me, yeah, Japan opening its markets to U.S. beef. But Secretary Sonny Purdue was very excited about this. He said um, that this is going to increase sales up to $200 million annually for beef in the United States. Oh. So hmm. that's a pretty good pretty good growth market, I'd say, there. Yeah. Potential, too. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's not going to happen right away, but everything will happen with time. With time, yes, indeed. Well, speaking of time, time is on the side of growers today. If you are on the production side of agriculture, the markets are rallying. Delaney, should we 
read the good news? Let's read it. It's bad news if you're a, if you're a soybean well, buyer, I right. suppose, down in Latin America or a feed yard. But it is good news for our producers and folks. Whether you're a producer or a buyer, you can always manage your risk more efficiently. Give our friends at Zaner a call to do just that. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. As I mentioned, green on the screen, corn up a nickel, uh, nickel to six cents. September contract, what am I doing? July contract up five and three quarters, finished at 389. December, new crop up six and a quarter cents, finished at 404 and a half. Soybeans double digit gains on the day. July up 10 cents even at 831 and three quarters. November up 10 and a half, finished at 857 and three quarters. Chicago wheat also double digit gains. July up 13 and a quarter, finished at 478 and a quarter. September up 14 cents, finished at 485 and a quarter. Jumping into the world of livestock, we do see some weakness in the cattle complex here. June live cattle up seven and a half cents at one eleven thirty-five, with the August down forty to close at one oh eight fifty-two and a half. And some weakness in feeder cattle as well. The May contract, excuse me, the August contract down seventy-two and a half cents at one forty-four seventy-seven fifty. September down eighty-two and a half to close at one forty-five eighty-seven and a half. And mixed trade in the hog market. June lean hogs down sixty-two and a half cents at ninety-one seventy-five, with the July, unchanged on the day, closed right at $93 even. Delaney, why don't you tell us who we're talking to for Hashtag Market Monday? I would love to. We're talking to Paul Mooseman, who is the general manager for Ag West. It's a little different. They do things a little differently here. So today's conversation isn't necessarily going to be about where the markets are headed, but rather how to take advantage of the markets when they're doing things like having a 10 to 15 cent rally in the corn markets. For today's Market Monday conversation, I'm chatting with Paul Mooseman, who is a general manager for Ag West. And Paul, I think that we have a lot of folks that come on the podcast on, on Mondays and talk about commentary and what's moving the market, but we don't necessarily talk about what to do with that information. And I'm hoping that you can provide some insight for that for us today, for our listeners. Well, that would be awesome. If I knew the correct answer for that, Delaney, we could just make it short and all go home. But there is a lot of stuff going on in the marketplace. It's not too hard to find a lot of market commentary, mm-hmm. China, trade, the funds, the weather, right? Lots of stuff that can be talked about that are driving and moving the markets today, all the markets. And so there's really not a lack of information. The real question in, in our minds is what does an individual do with that information? So after you digest all the stuff that's going on, you eventually have to put a personal bias behind it and say, what am I going to do with this rally? This is the rally that we all talked about and that we all wanted as a producer and, and as, a, as a market analyst myself. This is something that we've been wanting for six months now. Especially in the corn markets. Absolutely. So now that we're here, it doesn't feel like a lot, but we've got over $4 again. And $4 represents a number for a lot of operations that is a profitable number. Doesn't mean we're all going to get rich out here selling $4 corn. Doesn't mean we should sell all of our corn at $4. But this is a lot better than the 360 that we saw just a couple Mondays ago. So this Monday's podcast is good and great timing. So let, let's talk about some of the actionable items that we're seeing a lot of our producers take advantage of. First of all, again, have have something working, right? At $3.60 just a couple of weeks ago on the Dees, we were probably talking about, you know, if it got back to $4, I would sell it. So as a producer, I think you got to ask yourself, as a producer myself, I have to ask myself, am I doing something with $4? And the answer is yes. We've had a lot of growers that reset targets again at $3.93, $3.96, just above 4 and then did some uh, again this morning at 403 They're not large targets. You're not selling your entire farm or 100% of your production, but it's sure getting started. 
usually for, for most producers that first sale is the toughest sale. Mm -hmm. So to get that to get that bullet out and to, to get started on your 2019 market, remember this is late May. It's not late January. Right. The insurance average is here. We are in that mm -hmm. seasonal time period where things happen. So if you are not ready, most weather markets last three days to 18 days. I think we're at day seven or eight right now. And so we're halfway through of a seasonal weather rally. Could there be more? Absolutely. I have no idea. And, and I don't think anyone does. So how do you take advantage of that? Because of course, emotions come into play when you're making these decisions. And a producer always thinks, what if I'm selling too early? What if $4 were at four, whatever on the board today? But what if next week we're at 425? How do I make sure that I'm able to take advantage of some of those as well? The, the marketing piece is extremely hard. The emotional piece is almost impossible. So when you say emotions to take that out, I, I don't know how, but I'll give you a perfect example. If you were a producer and I called you today and I recommended that you sell 403, you might have some hesitation on giving that yes, or if it was the elevator or end user, whoever's buying your grain, 403, that might not be enough. It might go to 420 next week. And so you may have some hesitation pulling the trigger, executing that sale. However, if I called you and I say, great job today, you sold 403. Awesome. Whatever that number was, was it 10, 15, 20, or 30% of your production, whatever fit well for you and your finances? It's a different conversation when I congratulate you for making a good business decision versus putting doubt in your mind, will it go higher? We can all have a lot of doubt. We can all struggle with those emotions on, did I sell it too cheap? Did my neighbor sell it higher mm -hmm. than me? But if you make a financial decision based on your operation and your need, you should be happy about that sale and celebrate it. And last but not least, if $4 is your worst, your absolute worst sale in 2019, 2019 is going to be a lot brighter than it feels like today yeah. or what it felt like just a couple months ago. So tell your banker. You sold some corn, move on down the road and get ready to sell some more. Well, and you bring up the banker aspect of it, and that's also kind of a piece of the puzzle, especially right now. We've been having kind of a bleak year in rural America. We've seen a lot of bankers maybe starting to pull the rug out from underneath producers. They also have to be involved or help execute some of those decisions. How do you involve, how do you, you guys work with a lot of lenders. I mean, how do you suggest producers especially in a weather market like this, how do you suggest they work with their lender and also make sure that they're able to take advantage of the times we have right now in this weather market? Key point, that ag lender, he can be a tremendous sounding board, a, a person of reason, but he can also add some more emotion to mm -hmm. it as well. So in that in conversation, it needs, very, needs to be very direct and very deliberate. Uh, involving that ag lender helps put a, 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 another calming voice in most situations usually. Um, I don't I don't know of an ag lender out there that would talk a producer out of selling grain if it made sense for his operation. So involving him in that in that conversation just gives him another confidence builder to, to execute his plan. We all know what happens and has the last four years on not taking advantage of the summer, spring, or, or, or a, a late spring rally. We've ended up with some very negative and dismal prices come fall. And so if we've got to sell the majority of our crop in the fall or when we need cash, we're unfortunately doing that at a time that's uh, much reduced from that spring rally. I don't know if today is the high, but I know a lot of ag lenders are much more happy today than they were just a few months ago, just like the farmer was. And so we can stay happy by actually doing something, or we can stay hopeful and cross our fingers and see what happens.
could could be the goat or the goose. Who knows? But but let's not take that that gamble, and I don't think most lenders would like to either. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. So the other question I've had a lot lately is, as you mentioned, we're we're nearing insurance date deadline. If not, maybe it's passed in some states that folks are listening from. How do you decide? How do you calculate if maybe it makes more sense to take prevent plant as opposing to trying to get that crop in the wet field? That's a, that, that's a million dollar question. I sure wish I had the answer to that. <laughs> a lot of it depends on insurance level yeah. and obviously APHs. A lot of it depends. We, we've got some individuals that are completely done planning and we have some that haven't even started. And so if you're narrowing that deadline by the next four or five days and you're going to have to make that decision and there's a thousand acres or so that's not in the ground yet, you're, you're probably going to be a little bit more influenced to take a prevent plant type of number. But again, it's based on an individual in that operation. What I would say, however, when it comes to that is I do believe a lot of the rally now is based on Prevent Plant or the mm. PP. I think corn right now is trying to buy or keep acres out of PPP. So uh, Prevent Plant is, is, is a program that's in uh, in the works for a reason, and, and it's uh, I think some producers are going to be able to take advantage of it this year. But when it comes down to just making a general statement, Every producer who doesn't have it planted on May 25th should take PP. I, I don't think that's a, that's the right statement. There's some individuals with some tremendous yields out there. Um, there's some shorter dated hybrids that do some things. Again, farmers farm for a reason. They they know agronomically how it works and, and what's going to be beneficial. So um, personally, I hope we have some expanded PP acres this year. That That's going to help the markets and the prices, but uh, time will tell here. So Yeah, time will tell. So maybe we should back up here a little bit too, because we didn't really talk about AgWest and how you guys operate, because you don't necessarily come at it from an analysis standpoint. You're coming at it from a risk management standpoint. Can you explain a little bit more how you work with your customers and, and talk about risk management and ensuring that they're taking advantage of rallies or protecting themselves by having some risk management strategies or, or a marketing strategy in place? Sure, I'd be happy to. There, again, a ton of information, a lot of resources out there. I, kn- I know a lot of good folks that uh, concentrate on this very thing. Our our uh, call to fame, if you will, 20 years ago when Steve Knuth, our owner, started AgWest was, was about education, was about providing individuals who are producing a crop a different set of tools other than just taking that chalkboard on, on the elevator's price. And so he started uh, uh, using options, using futures um, to do a lot of different things for producers. And it wasn't out guessing or forecasting markets. It was just putting the tools in their toolbox to allow them does this make sense for their operation? And some individuals, it works extremely well. Some individuals like to live in that chaos and that emotional driven world. So we're not a great fit for everyone. But at the end of the day, it's about providing information um, about the tools that can be used. And so we we facilitate growers um, by helping them with their break-evens and figuring out what it is costing them to actually grow a crop. And then ultimately what it is uh, um, that's really struggling in their marketing plan. And and simply put, a lot of times it's execution. It's the fear of what if I do something too early, like you mentioned. It's the fear of what if I I don't sell it at the top. And the last time I checked at the last pool we did from uh, the the, uh, thousands of customers we have is only about 12% of individuals are actually using a plan. And so the rest of the farming nation out there is, is, is just willy-nilly. We're, we're all using hope and some sort of what if trade or Trump or weather or funds or South America or something else. It's all a big plan of hope. I would hate to bet my livelihood and my kids' livelihood and, and the livelihood that I uh, need to provide to them and the rest of my family and my generations before and after me on hope. So we just concentrate on hope not being the only plan. Us as producers, we need a fair amount of hope. 
And we wouldn't mm -hmm. be very good at, at, at life in ag in rural America if we didn't have a lot of hope, God knowing, right? But hope shouldn't drive 100% of our destiny. So, And I think a lot of producers have hope right now um, as we look at what's going on, especially in, in the grains markets. How do you recommend we take advantage of that hope? And then also, you know, when, you, when things are good, people don't want to put together a marketing plan. Mm -hmm. What's your advice for that? Well, I, I think when, when times are good, that's that we needed that hope to get there. And so I don't think anyone should give up hope. And if you think making a sale today at a profitable level for your operation has given up hope, we really need to redefine what hope means. I hope they make a sale today, and I hope it goes up more tomorrow. We hope this is the worst sale they make, and we hope that they can make much higher and better yielding um, numbers here uh, throughout 2019. So hope is wonderful, um, but we all hoped 30 cents ago that we could get back to here. Mm -hmm. If we start hoping today that it can rally another cent, one of these days, hope is not going to be enough. And I don't want to sit here at the end of the year with a big bag of corn with none of it sold or none of it priced. When I had the first opportunity although it came three months later than it seasonally does to do something in 2019 that made sense. And so um, hope is a wonderful thing, but hope shouldn't drive every decision. You also mentioned before we started recording today the statement of, I think it was, people are keeping their heads buried in the sand, so to speak. Yeah, that's uh, one thing we tell a lot of our growers and some of my customers that are listening to this will probably think I'm a broken record. Uh, but when markets are rallying or even when markets are dead in the water like they were just a couple of weeks ago, putting your hand, head in the sand and forgetting it or tuning it out or trying not to trying not to listen or pay attention to what's going on, we don't, we don't believe avoidance is a good strategy mm -hmm. either. So you put your head in the sand and think, oh, it's at $4 today. I'm, I'm just not going to worry about it because it's going to be 480 or 460 or 450 is the number keep throwing around this morning. Um, that, that's just denial. Th this is the present market that we have. This is the current environment. We're putting seeds in the ground with expenses adding up. This is where we are. We can handle this problem or opportunity today, uh, face forward, or we can deny it and, and let someone else handle that uh, problem for us. And hopefully it's not the lender this way. Yeah. Paul, well, before I let you go, if folks have questions about AgWest or maybe some of the strategies that you're using with producers that you work directly with, where can they get more information? Uh, they can direct it right to our website at uh, www.goagwest.com. There's a nice video on there. If you, if you like the audio and visual piece, you can see that. Uh, if not, you can give us a call at 866-WE-HEDGE. Uh, All right, Paul, thank you so much. Thank you, Delaney. Appreciate it. All right. Well, Delaney, thanks so much for talking to Paul. And Paul, thanks so much for taking the time. It's always good to get a fresh voice and a fresh perspective on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Absolutely. And if folks, if you have a fresh voice we should be talking to for a Market Monday, a Tech Tuesday episode, or just in general, shoot us a note at Ag News Daily on Facebook or on Twitter, or visit us at our home, globalagnetwork.com slash agnewsdaily. Or go to agnewsdaily.com. That's right. Still takes you to the news site. Absolutely. All right. Mike, it's good to be back, but should we let the people go? Let's let them go.